Hello, and thanks for listening with us today. We are the Beach Church. We are real people trying to show real love from a real God. We hope that you enjoy this podcast and that you continue to stay with us. We are encouraged by everyone who listens. We hope that you are blessed today by everything that we talk about. See you guys. Take care. today from Ezekiel chapter 34 verses 11 through 20. For this is what the sovereign Lord says, look, I myself will search for my sheep and seek them out. As a shepherd seeks out his flock when he is among his scattered sheep, so I will seek out my flock. I will rescue them from all the places where they have been scattered on a cloudy dark day. I will bring them out from among the peoples and gather them from the foreign countries I will bring them to their own land. I will feed them on the mountains of Israel, by the streams and all the inhabited places of the land. In a good pasture, I will feed them. The mountain heights of Israel will be their pasture. They will lie down in a lush pasture, and they will feed on rich grass on the mountains of Israel. I myself will feed my sheep, and I myself will make them lie down, declares the sovereign Lord. I will seek the lost and bring back the strays. I will bandage the injured and strengthen the sick. But the fat and the strong I will destroy. I will feed them with judgment. As for you, my sheep, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I am about to judge between one sheep and another, between rams and goats. Is it not enough for you to feed on the good pasture, that you must trample the rest of your pastures with your feet? When you drink clean water, must you muddy the rest of the water by trampling it with your feet? As for my sheep, they must eat what you trampled with your feet and drink what you have muddied with your feet. Therefore, this is what the sovereign Lord says to them. Look, I myself will judge between the fat sheep and the lean sheep. Good morning. I am on 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 28. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. For he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, for he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith, all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. Amen. 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 I want to read to you Matthew 25, um, starting in verse 31. It says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, Then he will set on his glorious throne. All the nations will be assembled before him, and he will separate people one from another, 
like a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will pull the sheep or put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I was naked and you gave me clothing. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, I tell you the truth, just as you did it for one of the least of these brothers or sisters of mine, you did it for me. Then he will say to those on his left, depart from me, you accursed into the eternal fire that has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger and you did not receive me as a guest. Naked and you did not clothe me. Sick and in prison and you did not visit me. Then they too will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison? And did not give you whatever you needed. Then you will answer them, I tell you the truth, just as you did. Not do it for one of the least of these. Sorry, just as you did not do it for one of the least of these, you did not do it for me. And these will depart into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. Lord, we pray today that you would help us, Lord, to see you. That your words would come alive in our hearts, Lord. That as we have read them today, that we would also learn from them, that we would inwardly digest them, Lord, that it would continue to produce in us uh, the fruit of a righteous life and continue to minister to us today. God, I pray that you'd be glorified in everything that's said and done, that you'd be magnified today in everything that we do, Lord. And all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, today we want to talk about um, an event and a series of events uh, that culminate in Christ returning and Christ judging uh, all the earth. But it will come uh, through many different roles that he is described as throughout Scripture. And we see those roles uh, in these passages we read. Uh, Tim uh, read and together we read responsibly Psalm 95. And it was a beautiful way for us to worship together in reading that passage. And then uh, Selena read Ezekiel 34 and Heather read 1 Corinthians 15. And and we just read Matthew 25. And all of these together point us to the reality of who the Lord is. That He is uh, the shepherd. He is uh, the king, the resurrecting king. He's a judge. Uh, and so all of these things are important for us to understand. But today we're going to talk about the shepherd, the kingdom, and our communion. How all that works together. That He is the shepherd, ultimately, that is leading and guiding us. And that we are a part of a kingdom, the kingdom of God. And that that connects to us and how we commune together and how we commune with Him. And so today we're going to embark on a journey through those four passages. We're going to look at each of them uh, and kind of explore some of the depth of what they mean and how God's character is revealed to us. And ultimately, 
what our response should be as believers. Because anytime we study God's Word and we have passages that God reveals to us in His Word, it is not just for us to say, oh man, that's great. Good, good job, God. But it, it is for us to have a response to that as well, right? Because it wasn't written to us, but it was written for us, right? And so that's important for us to know that although these passages are pertaining to particular things, uh, it also connects to us today. And so that's our goal today, uh, to connect these truths about God's character and our response as believers. And so we're going to be connecting each of these passages. And even though they are diverse in style, and even though the, the context of them might vary at times, uh, we're going to unite them into a depiction of God's roles in our lives and how Scripture des des describes Him and how our call as followers of Christ uh, needs to be present. You know, many people try to, to, to term it so many different ways, right? So if somebody's a follower of Jesus, they'll say, well, I'm not a Christian, I'm just a follower of Jesus. And some will even uh, say that, well, we, we, we're followers of Yeshua, right? So we're, we're followers of the way. Um, we can call whatever we want. I think the, the most important thing to realize is what do people call, what do other people call people who follow Jesus? They usually call them Christians. Right, that's what we see in Antioch. They were called Christians in Antioch because they were little anointed ones. Right? They acted and, and they, they tried to live their lives in a way that was commiserate with how Christ lived his life. And so it was a pejorative term that was given to those who acted this way. They said, look at you, little Messiahs, walking around like you're Christ. And so many of them began to hear that and they said, you know what? We will proudly hold that name. If you're saying that something in us reminds you of Jesus, then we're gladly hold that name. It's not, a, it's not a, a, a contemptible name for us. And that humility and that willingness to bear the name of Jesus, to bear the name of Christ, is what formed and founded the work of the early church. And so we want to look at that today, of God's roles and our call as followers of Christ. So again, the title of this message is The Shepherd, the Kingdom, and Our Communion. The Shepherd, the Kingdom, and Our Communion. So we want to look at first about the concept of Him being the Divine Shepherd. And so I have a picture that just shows you about a shepherd with his sheep. And the beautiful imagery that that provides for us in passages that we see in Ezekiel 34 and in Psalm 95. But we see God as a shepherd who actively seeks and cares for his flock. That's something we need to connect to today. That God cares and actively uh, seeks after caring for his flock. Now in the context here, he's talking about Israel. But we know that John 1 tells us that to them that believe, he gave them the privilege to be called the children of God. Right? That he came to his own and his own didn't receive them. But to all that did, he gave them the privilege. And so we can look at passages like this and we can see the character of God evident in our lives as well. We can understand the context, but we can also understand how this can remind us of God's character and His role in our lives. So He actively seeks and cares for His flock. And this imagery is powerful because it depicts God as both nurturing and just. And this is sometimes difficult for us to think about. But as we sang today through the songs that we sang, it reminds us that at times we are prone to wonder. We are prone to leave the God that we love. We are like sheep. We've all gone astray. We've all missed the mark. We've all fallen short of God's moral standard, His glory. And the imagery there is not that He is 
unloving towards us because we fall away, but that He is gracious and seeks after us. That He leaves the 99 and He goes after the one. But He's a just shepherd as well. And so oftentimes, we want to leave out the part that He would maybe break the legs of the one that ran away and put them on His shoulder and carry them for a little bit until they learn to depend on Him a little bit more. And then when their legs were strengthened and, 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 and healed, they would often depend on the shepherd a little bit more. Sometimes, uh, in the course of God wanting to form us and God wanting to, to produce in us something greater than maybe we see in ourselves and wanting to get us to a place that we don't yet see, but He has a purpose and a plan for us, if we're starting to get off track of where God wants us to go, He is also a loving God, but He's also just. And He knows what He's doing. And that's hard sometimes to think. God, you ever ask yourself, God, do you know what you're doing? I think all of us have probably said, I'm not sure if you understand how things are going here, God. But things are a little weird for me right now. I don't know if you know this, God. Well, we love it when people tell us that, right? I don't know if you know this, right? Or you know what you should do, right? I'm like, no, I don't. Tell me what I should do with my life, right? Inform me of how I should live. Um, but oftentimes we do, God, I don't know if you know how things are, how things are going on here. There's a lot of stuff happening. He is a good shepherd, but he's also just. But we have to know that he, he knows what's going on. The shepherd sees things that the sheep don't see. And he leads them and guides them. And he's gracious, right? And so we have to look at him as a divine shepherd. And so if we claim to be followers of Jesus, he says, my sheep know my voice. And they know my voice and they follow my commands. If we claim to be a part of the flock, the kingdom of Jesus, and he is our teacher, our shepherd, our Lord, our Savior, then we need to reflect on what it means to be part of his flock. To be part of his flock. And how we need to respond to his care and guidance. Because he is a God of love, a God of grace, a God of, of patience, a God of kindness, but he is a God of care and a God of guidance and so sometimes he will lead us and guide us right maybe through paths of difficulty paths of darkness maybe even to the valley the shadow of death but he will be with us that his rod and his staff they'll comfort us and that seems difficult to think about but it's true and his nature is not duplicit as we understand that it's it's full that he is loving, but he is also just. He's kind, he's gracious, but he will continue. So what does it mean for us to respond to that care and guidance? I think we have to ask ourselves some questions today in thinking about that. Are we the lost sheep being sought after? Have we lost our way? Have we gone astray? Have we missed the mark? We know all of us do at times. So are we the, the lost sheep that has gone astray that, that he is seeking after, that he will leave the 99 and go after are we the one that needs strength? As Ezekiel mentioned, I will be with the one that is weak, that is injured, that needs help. Are we that today? Are we, are we weary today? Are, are we wounded? Do we feel like we don't have the strength to continue on? If we are part of His flock, we have to know that our Good Shepherd knows that. That He as the Divine Shepherd will continue to lead us and guide us. And so how do we view ourselves in that capacity? But also... How do we view others through that lens? Right, do we see others and we go, you know what, that's somebody who's lost. 
They don't know the way. Or do we view them the way maybe we would want to view them? Do we look at individuals and say, this person is in need of help? And I know a good shepherd that can help them. Or do we view them through the way that our eyes see them? I think those are questions we have to ask ourselves. If we're a part of his flock, what does that mean for us to understand his care and his guidance in our lives? And what that means for us. And to reflect on that. Because when you truly start to understand who he is, when you truly get it all together, the logical thing for you to do, just like any sheep, would be to depend on the shepherd. And to depend on the shepherd in the context of a sheep who's gone astray is to literally rest on his shoulders. To lay yourself down and let him be the one that cares for you. All your wants, all your desires, all your hopes, all your dreams, all of your effort. You put it at him and say, God, I, I surrender everything to you. Because you are worthy. And so that's what we see in Psalm 95, that we see a call to worship. We are the people of His pasture, right? We are the sheep of His hand. And so we, we recognize that and we, we begin to live with that. And so there's a, an important truth here because this echo of worship or this call to worship is about reverencing God. It's a bow to reverence Him. It's, it's humbling yourself. It's prostrating yourself. It's being willing to know that and to recognize and, and to acknowledge that you need Him in your life. You know, the sheep often go astray because they see things that they think are enticing. And then when they get in a situation where they're scared, you often hear them doing things that are, that are what sheep do, right? They, right? They, they start bleating everywhere, right? Bleat, bleat, bleat. Right? They start doing all these things, right? And sheep can be a little unsightly in themselves. They're pretty and precious, but then, then they have all that, that hair and that fur, and it starts, if you've ever gone to like a petting zoo and you've seen any kind of uh, goats or, or sheep in, in any kind of capacity, they're kind of nasty, right? They like poop little balls out of, their, out of their butts, and it's like, these people are, these animals are weird. You get too close to them, they start chewing on you, Right? Right? They said their, their hair is ah, scary, man. Things be living inside of there. Um, it's funny, right, that the Bible re refers to us as those types of people, right? Because sometimes we're a little unsightly. Sometimes we're a little scary. Sometimes we can, we can you, know, you know, things come out of us that shouldn't come out of us. Sometimes, sometimes we say and do things, right? Chewing on people like we, like we, like we shouldn't, right? But... That's why we need a shepherd, right? Because sheep without a shepherd, are, they, 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 do, they do what sheep do. And so we got to be careful, right? And I know some of you are probably thinking when he was talking about uh, getting rid of the fat sheep and, and helping the skinny sheep, you're like, listen, Lord, I know it's Thanksgiving and I ate a lot this week, but don't, uh, don't, 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 don't give up on me, God. I'm trying my best. Right? He's not talking about the physical appearance of the sheep. He's talking about those that uh, had no compassion for those that were hurting. Because he's compassionate for all of his sheep. But those that don't see the need of those around them. And they're just gorging themselves in all the desires of this life. He's going to come back and he's going to judge them that do that. You had all this stuff and then you want to continue to take more from people who need it. 
And we've got to be careful sometimes that we don't lose sight because that's the significance of us understanding the difference between intrinsically oriented faith and then extrinsically oriented faith. Studies have shown that people who are extrinsically oriented in their faith, they typically come to church or do things religiously for what they can get out of it. Right? So they come to church so they can get this or they can get that or they do this religious activity so they can get this or they get that. You know what's funny about those types of individuals who have that mentality? Uh, statistically, they are more likely to be judgmental, critical, uh, and, and aggressive towards other people that come into the fold. And why is that? Because they're afraid what they want to get is going to get taken from them. And so they see somebody come in and they're like, uh-uh, they're not going to get my bread. I want that last piece of banana bread. I will cut you if you touch that bread. Listen, I know Jesus is my Lord and we just got done serving and praising him. But if you touch that last mint, I will break your nose. I'm being extreme, guys, and I know that I'm being extreme. But I also want you guys to know that sometimes you guys have at times, and, and we all do at times, we, we tend to become more extrinsic in our expression of faith than we are intrinsically. Because intrinsically is something that's just innate in us, right? We come and we worship the Lord and we do the things that God's called us to do. If we see somebody who's hurting, we help them. We, we're kind to people that we don't know because God is kind to us and, and we try to be loving. And yes, there are times we're going to benefit from those things, right? So I'm not saying to you that if you come out of here and you see that there were there were, were donations from Panera that you go, well, the pastor told me that if I take that bread, I'm an extrinsically oriented person. I don't want to be that way. I, I'm just here to love Jesus. No, take the bread. What I'm saying is, is don't fight people over the bread. Right? If you need bread, we'll get you bread. But you don't need to fight over it because what we're here to do, and we should be here to do, is to continue to do what God's people have always done. Devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, right? To the, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to the prayers. So that's the difference between intrinsic and extrinsic. But sometimes sheep get a little weary and a little wayward. That's why when we have a time of remembrance and our minds are reminded, we have to humble ourselves again and repent to Him. And so there are parallel themes here that we see in Ezekiel and in Psalm 95. We see the themes of shepherding. And we see that the shepherd calls us not only to follow, but to worship with joy and reverence. How many have ever said, all right, Lord, I'll do it, but I'm not happy about it. Right? All of us have been that way, right? Because we're sheep. Right? All of us go, right? We're teaching um, one of our children uh, that every time she responds to something, because she gets herself in trouble with this. We had a moment yesterday where she, she whined because uh, we had to go and do an obligation, right? But then when we got to do the obligation, it turns out that it didn't need to be done because it was, it, it, no one was there and we didn't have to do anything, right? So then she started complaining because we didn't have to do it. And I was like, do you hear yourself? You complain because we have to go, and then you complain because you don't have to do it. Help me help you. And I had to, I had to say, listen, just because you complain about things doesn't mean you have to complain about everything. But sometimes there are moments where, where we're in situations where we're like, oh, man, 
God, I know you're calling me to do this, but I am not a fan of this. But we know that the, Paul told the Corinthian church that he's not going to put any more on us than we can't handle. That he's always going to help us, right, when it comes to these things. And that's tough at times to, to see because we look at ourselves and we go, I don't know if I can take this anymore. But Lord, I don't know if I'm, I'm really happy about what you're doing right now. But when we start to realize that he is and start to see him as that good shepherd in our lives and we begin to worship him with joy and we begin to worship him with reverence, not just with obedience. Because here's a truth that we see. Not only is he our divine shepherd, not only is there a call to worship that we see encompassing all of our lives, but he is our resurrected king. And there's something about the resurrection that is so profound for Christians and so profound for believers and people who follow Jesus. Because Paul speaks of Christ's resurrection in 1 Corinthians 15 as the first fruits. We know that it was, the, it was during the Feast of Unleavened Bread and on that day of first fruits when they would bring all the grain offering to the, to the temple that Jesus resurrected. And so that language was not just you know, random. He was saying that he was the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the offering that was given. But what does that mean for us? Jesus is the first one that ever resurrected. He didn't just, he wasn't just resuscitated back into his mortal body. He was resurrected into his glorified state. When he comes back, he's coming back into that glorified body. And you and I have that hope of the resurrection because of his resurrection in our lives and so it's a promise of what is to come for all who believe his resurrection is a beautiful thing for us to think about because it's a promise because what do we know we know in christ that death is defeated that in christ death is defeated and a new kingdom has been established jesus said that the kingdom of god is as at hand right it's here it's near. And he told Peter that the kingdom of God, that the gates of hell were not going to be able to withstand the kingdom of God. And that gives us hope. And that gives us a strength to understand. And so the resurrection is not just an event. It's not just an event for us to think about. It's something for us to expect and to live in our lives. Because you guys know what? The resurrection reminds us of is that one day Jesus is going to return. He told us that I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go prepare a place for you, I will come back. We've talked about this. This is language that they would have connected to because this is the Galilean wedding Jewish festival ceremony where the, the bridegroom goes and prepares a place in his father's house. And then when the time is right, they blow the trumpet, the shofar, and then everybody gathers, and then there's this procession into the marriage supper. That's not language that we can take for granted because that's, that's all built into the, what Jesus, how Jesus described is coming. So you and I get the privilege every single time we gather, every single time we think about the resurrection to rejoice that we are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb that we are invited to partake, that we are invited to be a part of that. And although we have not experienced the glorified state in our bodies, we have been freed from the bondage of sin. And we can walk in newness of life today because of that. And that's a beautiful thing. So it's not just an event. It's a call to live in the reality 
of a kingdom where Christ reigns supreme. You know where Christ is right now? Right hand of the Father, making intercession for us, right? He reigns in heaven. You and I, when we partake communion today, Jesus doesn't have to die on the cross anymore for us to receive of that. But there is a spiritual connection that happens that as we are nourished by the bread and the wine in our bodies, we are nourished by Christ in our hearts and our spirit. And He is with us. He is among us. And He strengthens us to continue to walk. And His presence is ever before us. It's a powerful thing to think about that although we are not seeing Him face to face yet, we can still experience His presence and know that He is with us. That He is with us. That He hasn't left us nor forsaken us. And so it's a call for us to live in the reality of a kingdom where Christ reigns supreme, where every power, every ruler, every authority is under His feet. Everything. So we know that we're in this world, but we're not of this world. Right? We're a part of the kingdom of God, but we do know that we're in this world, and so there are governing authorities and things that we have to do, but ultimately our hope isn't in them. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope is in the resurrection. It's why later on in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul was able to say, where, O death, is your sting? Right? Where is your victory? He was able to say that Jesus will soon crush the head of the serpent. Right? That's bringing us back to Genesis 3 where it says the seed of the woman was going to crush the head of the serpent and the, and the serpent was going to attempt to strike at the heel of the, of the seed of, of the woman. There's victory in Jesus. We can experience that today, but we also have hope for the future because one day it's all going to be restored. And so that's why we need to look at Him as a resurrected King, not just as a divine shepherd, not just as, as, as somebody who's worthy to worship because of His care and guidance, but because He has established the kingdom of God. And so what, is, what, what are you and I supposed to do in this moment? I think we're supposed to understand our role in this dynamic. And so Matthew 25 gives us that understanding. We see him as the righteous judge. So Matthew, Jesus tells of a time of separation. You see when Jesus comes and he sets up his throne and we see these things happening. There's going to be a time of separation, right? You're going to separate those that, that have lived for him and those that have not. And so if you look around today, you might be sitting next to somebody who may be in one of those categories. And I don't want you to sit there going, you know what, I wonder who it is. You know, they did this or said this. So maybe, you know, it's probably them. Um, they're doing that. If you're thinking that, um, it's probably you, actually. <laughs> um, but, but we need to recognize that there is a time coming where he's going to separate. He's going to bring um, clarity. Like a shepherd who divides the sheep from the goats. And he uses imagery and he uses practical experiences like how you treat others and how you interact with others as a way of saying, you know what, I'm coming and there's going to be a time coming where I separate the sheep from the goats. And you know how I'm going to identify the sheep and the goats? By how you treat other people. By how you live your life. Is your life lived to honor me? And in doing so, you live in a way that blesses others, or are you, which is covenant, right? Through you, all the descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed, right? That's Abrahamic covenant language that we have been grafted into. If we're not a blessing to those around us, then we are not fulfilling the covenant. That's what God indicted Israel for. Everyone's suffering around you, but you're not doing anything about it. 
And so this is a, an important thing for us to think about. Our actions toward the least of these, right? Feeding the hungry, welcoming the stranger. These are our responses to Christ Himself. How do I respond to, to knowing that Jesus has come into my life? How do I respond to knowing that He has freed me from the bondage of sin? He has opened my eyes to see the truth. What is my response to that? To love those who are hurting. To be kind to those. To help those that are in need. Because that is what Christ would do. We're not enablers, but we're called to be loving and kind. And so we need to walk in that. We need to understand what that means. Because it's about living in the kingdom. Jesus established the kingdom of God here on the earth when He came. He told Peter that the gates of hell were not going to be able to withstand it. You and I are a part of the kingdom of God now. So what is our job here? Our role now is to go and to continue to work to establish the kingdom of God. So when Christ comes and officially sets up His throne his, on the earth, you and I will have made ready this place. Now it's going to change drastically leading up to that. But the kingdom of God is here now. Christ reigns in heaven. He's the king of the universe. But one day He's going to come and make everything new. But we have a job to do here. We have a job to do. To live in the kingdom now. And so this parable is a stark reminder of our responsibility as believers. And it reminds us that our faith is expressed in our actions, in our compassion, and in our service to others. Now, oftentimes people like to say, you know what, I'm a Christian. I don't need to do anything else to prove that I'm a Christian. I said I believe in Jesus. The Bible says if you believe that Jesus Christ died in your heart and you, and you confess with your mouth, then you're saved, right? Yes. But even James said that by my works you will see that I believe in Jesus. I'm not saved by them, right? We're saved by faith, right? Through, through grace, by faith. But the works are what reveal that Christ has actually come into our lives. And so our faith has to be expressed through our actions and our compassion and in our service to others. What am I doing with what God has given me? What am I doing with the time and energy that I have? I think that's important for us to think about today. What does it look like? Again, we're not enablers. We don't walk around and... and uh, and just continue to perpetuate cycles of destruction. We are people who come into, we're supposed to let our light shine, right? So that people will see Him. We're supposed to, to go into the darkness and, and the, the light is supposed to overcome the darkness. We are people who come into the darkness and let the light of Christ shine and it changes. If you want a political slogan, it's not which party is going to enact certain laws to change certain things, it's when are we going to start becoming more proactive in being who God's called us to be? Not that God won't use those. He clearly has. He's used leaders. The Bible says that the thoughts of a king are like streams of water in the, in the palm of God's hand. So he controls and, and, and is sovereign over even those that have ultimate authority or thought. But ultimately, he has placed us here in this position. He has given us the breath and the life and the salvation and the gifts that we have been given so that we can function as the children of God. And what does that mean? Well, it means to go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
It means to be the hands and feet of Jesus. It means to walk in a way that brings God glory and honor. Now, what does that look like? It looks different for every person. And so you need to just be available. That's what it means to be intrinsically oriented. Lord, you are my king. You are my Lord. I live for you. And I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity I have to give you honor and glory. Now, what that looks like, God's going to order your steps when it comes to that. If you just stay committed to him. And so that's what our hope is today. So I want to bring all this together this morning. We've read all these passages. We've, we've broken them down. We've studied them. We've seen God's multifaceted character. We've seen him expressed as a shepherd, a king, a judge. And because of all that, we recognize that we have a call to worship him, to humble ourselves, and to lay down our lives for him. To do so in worship and in hope and in service. Lord, I recognize that you are my Lord. And so I'm going to worship you. I'm not going to build my life and my hopes on the things of this world. My hope is in you, Jesus. And every action that I participate in, or every action that I take, is going to be an outflow of that commitment to you, Lord. Because I put my faith in you. And that's what we do every single week. It's why I love being able to come down and take communion every single week. Because it's a way of us humbling ourselves before the Lord. And recognizing our need for Him. And it's our greatest act of worship. It's why the word Eucharist is the word for Thanksgiving. That's interesting, right? (laughs) So we're in the week of Thanksgiving, right? The ultimate act of Thanksgiving for us is to come down and receive from the Lord. And to celebrate what he has done for us. To celebrate his resurrection. It's why the the believers began to do so every week. They would gather and they would devote themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread. They would do so in remembrance of what Christ did for them. And they would would pray together. And they they would walk in fellowship together. And so, as we take a moment to think about these truths in our lives, I want us to take a moment of reflection a moment of commitment. Let's analyze our lives to see if we are recognizing this is a moment of us to come into unity under one shepherd in the hope of the resurrection to live out the kingdom values that He has called us to live out. Because He is coming. We know it is. He is. Whenever that is, we don't know. But we know He's coming. And we know what will happen when He does. So what is our job? To continue to be his hands and feet. To continue to do what he's called us to do. And so I want us to take a few moments and just let God reveal to us maybe things in our heart and our lives that we've done. Maybe things we've said. Maybe just activities that we are participating in right now. That God is revealing to us that we need to change. We need to, we need to adjust. We need to rearrange. Let him come in and do that. What have we not yielded to him? What have we not surrendered to him today? What have we not given to him in our lives? And so can we do that today? Can we just take a few moments and think about that today? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
Lord, we recognize that there have been times where we have missed the mark. But we have fallen short, God, of the things that you have called us to do. And we have sinned against you, Lord, in things that we've said and things we've done, Lord. And things that we've thought, we've gone astray, we've missed the mark. Lord, we've not loved you with our whole heart at times. We've not been faithful to you like we needed to be. We've not walked in unity like we needed to, God. And we haven't loved our neighbor as ourselves. The way you would have called us to to love them, God. And so, Lord, today we are truly sorry. And we humbly repent today. Lord, we ask that you would just give us grace, God, and continue to bring forgiveness in our lives for the things that we've done that don't bring you glory and honor. The things that we've done to miss the mark, God. Lord, for the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, can you continue to have mercy on us? Will you continue, Lord, to to pour out your grace that we may delight in your will, that we may walk in your ways to the glory of your name forever. Lord. Lord, we thank you that you are gracious and you are loving and you are kind to all those who humbly come and repent to you with sincerity and a true faith, God. You will call them, God, to turn to you. You have mercy on them, God. You strengthen, you confirm them, God, and you deliver them. And Lord, we are anxiously celebrating and waiting with the hope, God, that you are continuing to bring us to everlasting life with you, God. For all eternity to be in your presence. We thank you for that today, God, but we know that you have made that possible through Jesus. And so Lord, we thank you today that your word says that we can come to you weary, covered with burdens. We can come to you and you will give us rest. You will put things into order. You will put things back into perspective, God. Because you loved us so much that you sent your son to die for us so that we might be free But Lord, if there is a situation where we fall short or we miss the mark, you are faithful. You are faithful and we have an advocate with the Father. And we thank you, Jesus, for that. We thank you that you are the propitiation of our sins. And so, Father, thank you for sending Jesus. Thank you for opening our eyes to see him. We thank you for the peace that we can have in the midst of chaos, for the struggles that we can have in the midst of trials. Lord, that we can, we can have faith in those moments. That we can walk in victory where it seems like defeat is all around us. God, we thank you for that today. And we thank you for the peace that you've given us. Lord, may we, as we prepare our hearts and continue to reflect on these truths today, may you just continue to lead us and guide us. And Lord, offer us that peace today. And fill our hearts today, Lord, so that we can continue to be people of peace that you've called us to be to go around and reflect that in our lives, Lord. And can we do that today as we start that today? Lord, would you help us today to do that in Jesus' name? Amen. Can we do that today for a few moments? Can we just go around and exchange uh, a greeting to each other and offer each other the peace of God as we prepare our hearts to receive today? Amen.
be with you, sir. Amen. Amen. Poppy, peace be with you, sir. God bless you. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Sounds good. All right. Sounds good. Come on. Peace be with you, man. Shalom. Amen. 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 Sully, what's up, man? Good to see you, man. Good to see you with you. Amen. Amen. Brett, good to see you with you, my man. God bless you. Amen. Amen. Diana, God bless you. Peace be with you. Hi, Ginger. Peace be with you. God bless you. Hi, my friend. Good to see you. Hi, good to see you. Yes. Amen. 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 Peace be with you. Amen. Amen. I love you. Peace be with you. Good to see you. Coming over. John, peace be with you, brother. God bless you. I love you. God bless you. we thank you today that we've had the privilege to celebrate today with you Lord and with each other and we thank you today Lord that we can rejoice today and recognize that yours is the greatness Lord and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty Lord for everything in heaven and earth Lord is yours and we recognize that today God you are exalted as head above all and we humble ourselves before you today. We recognize that all things come from you and of your own. We have given you today, God, everything that you've given us. We give back to you, Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you are with us. That we can lift up our hearts to you. And that we can give thanks to you. And it is right for us to do that, God. It is right for us to give you thanks and praise. Always and everywhere, Lord, to honor you with our lives. And so we thank you, Lord. And so, Lord, we ask today, as we do so, God, that you'd continue to speak to us, that we can praise you, we can lift up our voices with angels and archangels today, and with all the company of heaven, Lord, the communion of saints who forever sing the hymn, Lord, the song that we sang today, the song that we sing every single day, Lord, that is being sung around your throne, proclaiming the glory of your name. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Lord, we thank you today as we focus our hearts on this moment, God, as we 
recognize that in your infinite love, you made us for yourself. And even though we had sinned and fallen short, God, and become subject to evil and death, you and your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. And by the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, He became flesh and dwelt among us. And in obedience to your will, He stretched out His arms upon the cross and offered Himself once for all, that by His suffering and death we might be saved. Lord, you didn't have to do so. He said himself, no man takes my life from me. I lay it down. And Lord, he said he had the power to pick it back up. He could have called 10,000 angels to come and rescue him, God. But he, he did it because he loved us. And we thank you for that, Lord, that we can rejoice in that. And also by his resurrection, we can rejoice that he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. And as our great high priest enthroned in heaven, he ascended to your right hand in glory. That we might come with confidence today before the throne of grace, knowing that we have an advocate with you. One who has made way for us, who has been the door for us. Who has made it possible for us to experience your presence. And so we thank you today for that. We thank you, Lord, for that. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he... He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, he took the cup. It wasn't uncommon at Passover to take the cup. There are four cups. If you've ever been to a Seder, you know that it was common for them to have cups. And so it was at that time during the Seder, he took the cup, and he gave thanks, and he told them, drink this, all of you, for this is my blood of the new covenant. He had changed things a little bit here, right? He was not only recognizing the significance of that moment, but he was using it to show them something new. It's why Passover for believers never stopped at that point. They began meeting every week, and they began celebrating the Passover. It's why, uh, even though we recognize it here so that we can experience those moments, we recognize and know that it's a never-ending thing. Passover doesn't stop for believers we continue to celebrate His resurrection. We continue to celebrate what Christ has done for us. But He took the cup and He told them, drink this, all of you, for this is My blood of the new covenant which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of Me. That's why we proclaim the mystery of the faith as believers. That Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. It's the hope that we have. It's why we live the lives that we live. Because it's the recognition that we do. And so, Lord, we celebrate today the memorial of our redemption. In this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, and we offer you these gifts. Lord, we pray today that you would sanctify them by your word and Holy Spirit to be for your people, the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, would you sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with Him, that He may dwell in us and we in Him, and in the fullness of time, God, put all things in subjection under Your Christ and bring us with all Your saints into the joy of Your heavenly kingdom where we shall see our Lord face to face. All this we ask, Lord, through Your Son, Jesus Christ, by Him and with Him and in Him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father. 
now and forever. Amen. 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 Now, as our Savior Jesus Christ has taught us, we are bold to pray. Can you pray this with me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Lord, we don't presume to come down to this table trusting in our own righteousness. But we trust in your abundant and great mercies. We're not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table. But you are gracious. And you are the same Lord whose character is always to have mercy. To have mercy. So would you grant us, Lord, the grace today to continue, Lord, to partake today, Lord. To take the, the cup and the bread, God, the blood and the, and the body of our Lord Jesus. Lord, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by His body and our souls washed through His most precious blood that we may evermore dwell in Him and He in us today. Lord, we thank You today for that. We recognize that You are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Would You have mercy on us today? Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, have mercy on us. Lamb of God. You take away the sin of the world. Would you grant us your peace today? That we can walk in that today, Lord. These are the gifts of God for the people of God. May we take them in remembrance that Christ died for us and feed on him in our hearts by faith with thanksgiving today. Hey, thank you for watching today's podcast. We hope that you will continue to join us and subscribe. Remember, we're just real people trying to show real love from a real God. And everything that you do to help with that uh, brings glory to God. So thank you, guys. Take care.